Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, uh, for those of you that are new, my name is Jared. I'm super excited that you're here. Uh, I'm not the lead pastor. That would be my man, Jeremiah Sendler. Can we give it up for our lead pastor this morning? So he is out uh, for this weekend. Obviously, like in church world, Christmas is a big deal. So obviously, I got to really rest up and kind of make a great sprint toward Christmas. Um, But we've been in this series titled The Paradox of the Cross, right? Paradox of the Cross. And so what I want to talk to you about today is a thing called grace giving. It's a thing called grace giving. Now, if you are here to, like to church first time in a long time or it's your first time, you're like, okay, you just said, like, I'm already skeptical of church. And now you said giving within the first one minute of your sermon, dude, what's the, what's your problem? Like every, all your confirmation bias is like going off. You're like, see, I knew churches want my money. No, no, no. I can tell you, you can relax. If you do not like, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to be honest, I don't really care what you do with your money. I mean, I do care like as far as like being wise, like you should probably save money, 401k, you know, things like that. But like really this message is truly for people that follow Jesus, right? And so um, something that I'm really empathetic towards in a message like this is just how many churches, pastors, sermons have got this wrong. How many of y'all have seen this topic go really bad, right? Um, Recently, I was listening to this rapper, his name T.I., right? And T.I. was telling this story on the Ebro in the Morning podcast. He was telling about this service he went to, and he's already skeptical of church, like all this stuff, right? He said, now, I don't know what actually, who the person was, what they said, et cetera, et cetera. But he had said, like, he basically asked 20 people in a huge crowd to stand up and give $1,000, right? Which I was like, that's weird. But then it gets worse, He said, what really drove me nuts? He's like, this guy had the audacity to say, and I quote, come on, y'all, who wants to get their blessings heard? To which I was like, dude, if I said that on the stage here, I am confident. I don't think God throws lightning bolts, but that would be the one. Boom, I'm out, right? And I'm just like, yo, that is not how God works. Like, this is not like you can pay to get your prayers. That is like all, that's like so, so bad. I really pray to God that he did not say that. Um, but if he did, wow, I, I, uh, I forgive him and I hope that he changes. Anyway, uh, but it, all that to say, like, I've seen this topic go horribly bad, but here's what I want to talk to you about people that follow Jesus in this room, right? Here's my main point. Following Jesus financially has nothing to do with the percentage or the amount that we give, but has everything to do with our heart and our obedience. Has nothing to do with the percentage or the amount, but has everything to do with your heart and obedience. And here's why I want you to know that. Because as followers of Jesus, if we can't trust Jesus with our finances, how could we trust him with our soul? Right, the idea is like, as we're all banking here, for those that follow Jesus, like we're banking like on the other side of this thing called like life here on earth, that there is, we're eternal beings. Like God is, he has saved us. He is, uh, he's bringing us into his family, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if, if we're banking on that thing, like we should be able to trust with this area of our life. But I will admit, uh, it is definitely hard. So I wanna pray I'm going to jump into 2 Corinthians 9 today and talk about my favorite verses, honestly, in all of Scripture. So, Lord, I love you so much. Thank you for um, just your time together with your people. I just pray that the same, like, man, the messages I heard in the past that just inspired me, changed my life. Like, I pray that the same thing that you did in my heart that you would do for every person here and watching online. I ask God that, uh, Lord, just like a love for you, a deep love for you would just be uh, birthed in this place like none other. Uh, We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So a couple things want to set some groundwork, right? 
Little disclaimer behind me, because I figured I'd talk to my, my skeptical friends. Uh, just want to let you know, I don't get paid by City View Church, and there is no financial incentive for me preaching this message. I actually have a nice full-time job outside of, this, outside of these four walls that I enjoy a lot, and I am not leaving, right? And so I don't have any financial incentive uh, for this message. But the second thing, and you'll find this shocking, uh, is tithing is not a command in the New Covenant. I just, I think it's interesting. I, I, had, I had no idea uh, that that was not. Now, here's the thing. I mean, if I was to sit with you in coffee, highly recommend it. I'll get to that. But like, there is no scripture in the new, in, in the new covenant that commands someone to tithe. You'll say, well, Jesus talked about tithing. He did within a Jewish audience before he died, was buried, rose again, new covenant. It's, it's not in there. I, I promise. I've read it. And you Google it, quick search. You, you can find it as well. You see, the interesting thing is something bigger was. A lot of believers like to go, here, uh, here's 10% of my, like my, it's almost like a membership fee, right? It's like a 10%, I can just blow the 90, right? It's like, no, no, no. Like there's something bigger that I think God uh, shows us and does something in our heart. And I'll get to that later. Now, you see, the, the, what people really, really often struggle with, I see, is a lot of people still feel like we're under the law and not under grace, especially when it comes to tithing. Because tithing is not just tithing, it's tithing and offerings. And I don't see any chickens in here and cows and the other things that offerings would have uh, been depicted as, right? Uh, but the interesting thing, you might, you might have never known this, is there wasn't one tithe in the Old Covenant, there were three. You're like, oh my gosh. Yes, three. There's a Levitical tithe, which is what people understand as like giving to the church. That's tithe means 10%, right? You also have the festival tithe. The festival tithe uh, for Jewish believers, what they would do is they would go uh, celebrate festivals, right? Uh, there's an amazing like uh, history and reasons for these festivals, right? But there's a festival tithe where they needed to have this money for travel, lodging, food, all the things. Then every third year, there's a thing called the poor tithe. Basically, think of this as charity. You start adding up the percentage, it's like 23%, maybe more, right? And so the problem is like, people are like, yeah, I, I'm not like they preach, like tithing's not a bad thing, but it's like, which one? Because there are a lot. Now, can I tell you something interesting? I think God is super rad like just in the old covenant, like just how he designed it. Because as you noticed in the three tithes I just talked about, it went God, self, others. Which I go, that's a pretty good like, mon like money strategy. Like let's like, I'm trusting God. Hey, I need to care about my needs and God cares about my wants. And then I'm blessing others out of it. Anyway, so the, the, the interesting thing about grace giving is grace giving is much bigger. It's greater. It's, there's something more exciting that comes with it. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9, like I told you, but let me give you some background. The Roman world at that time is going through an extreme famine. And specifically, one of the countries is called Judea. Within Judea is a city called Jerusalem. Feel like we've heard of it. Jerusalem, right? And so there are Jewish believers that are really struggling going through a famine I can't even imagine. So these are Jewish believers. Paul, he starts starting, he starts churches in Gentile lands, people that are not Jewish, and he starts churches. And one of the churches that we've been write, like reading this letter, the Corinthian church, they heard about the believers struggling in the famine. So they raise their hand. Corinthian church goes, we want to provide the relief to our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, which side note, is amazing because Jews and Gentiles had been at odds forever. And the fact is now under the branch of following Jesus, they're like, no, we're brothers and sisters, even though we're in different countries, different lands, different languages, which is what I love about following Jesus. It knows no tribe, tongue, or nation. All people, all types of people follow Jesus all across the globe, which I think is so beautiful. So, Famine Judea. Corinthian church goes, hey, we want to provide the relief, which starts inspiring other churches, i.e. one church in Macedonia. They go, they're in? We want to get in and provide some relief to the believers in Jerusalem. 
Now in 2 Corinthians 8, I'm not going to read it, but we'll talk, we'll, I'll just chat through it really quick. 2 Corinthians 8, what Paul acknowledges is that the church in Macedonia is actually in extreme poverty. And he tells them, like, Corinthians, you have, you have inspired the Macedonians who have given out of their extreme poverty because they're like, I want to be a part of the blessing and re providing relief to my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. So we get to 2 Corinthians 9. Now it is superfluous to me or for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boasted about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. I, I, I chuckled when I, when I read that because I go, what, 80% were like, I want to get on board. 20% are like, eh, I'm keeping my money. It's like, I stirred up most of them, but I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be what? Be ready, as I said you would be. So what Paul's saying is, he's going, hey, do you remember, church, like you pledged, like you wanted to give to the believers in Jerusalem. We can't do Venmo or Cash App. Like we got to physically go get the, the funds to bring to them. He's like, you've stirred up the Macedonians. We're now on our way. I hope that you are going to like finish what you started, like what you, like you said you would do. And like really, as we're on our way, you got to start thinking about how much you're going to give or if you're going to give, et cetera, et cetera. Which brings me to verse six. And these following verses are some of my favorite in all of scripture. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. I wish in some messages and tones people would remember that verse. Reluctantly or under compulsion, don't give. For God loves a cheerful giver. So what you'll see in this verse is what Paul describes this thing called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is an actual thing. I like God has wired into the universe because knowing Jesus or not, sowing and reaping exists. The interesting thing is a lot of people like to get sowing and reaping confused with karma, but it's not karma. In fact, I would say if you believe in karma, uh, it's a really destructive belief system. I have sat in counseling sessions of someone sobbing because of something they're going through that they truly believe it's because of something they did when they're 18. No, no, no. Karma says all these things are stacking up against you or are coming to get you. Jesus says, I forgive all of this and I've thrown it as far as the east is to the west. Thank God, right? Karma said like all what goes around comes around. The scriptures say whether you have good character or bad character, it rains on the just and the unjust. Meaning whether you're a great person or not a great person, storms are coming, y'all. And storms can come from ourselves. They can come from, have you ever got, has someone ever brought you into their storm? We all love that. Or just the brokenness of the universe, right? So karma just tries to make sense of it. I go, nah, does karma, I don't, I don't rock with that. But sowing and reaping is different. Elsewhere in sowing and reaping, Paul talks about in Galatians 6, he says, don't be mocked. He's like, whatever one sows, into the flesh you will reap. Meaning, if you're making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, like you're going to reap bad fruit. I mean, right? Uh, but he says vice versa on the opposite. If you make a good decision, being wise, following Jesus, he says, don't grow weary in doing good for in due time, in due season, you will reap which I believe is a word for at least one person in this room. Have you ever followed Jesus over and over, faithful and faithful? I'm faithful every day, and it seems like it's never, ever paying off. Meanwhile, the people in, a, like, in the world, if you will, they get faster, farther, faster than you. You feel like you're left behind. You, may, you wanna cut corners, but you decide not to cut corners and it feels like nothing is ever paying off following Jesus. I'd love to, Jesus, I'd love to like encourage you with that verse. It says, in due time, you will reap. You will reap. 
So what he's talking about here in sowing and reaping is he's talking about, uh, he's using an agricultural uh, illustration and he's talking about resources. And every time you see the word sowing, what that means is you are uh, planting. Um, planting is the sowing, reaping is the harvesting or the gathering. So he's talking about you can plant and you gather, you plant and you gather. And what he's saying is the more you plant, think of a farmer with seed, the more seed you're throwing out, obviously you're going to get more of a return. If you're throwing less seed out, obviously it's gonna be less return, right? Let's keep going. He goes on to say, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here's what I love. The scripture says, hey, you can sow sparingly and reap sparingly. You can sow bountifully and reap bountifully. But before you even get to sowing, do not give under compulsion or with reluctancy. Which, praise God, right? How many like manipulative things have we, have, as, has the world used to try to get money from people? It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't give under compulsion or with reluctancy. How many of you parents, uh, if you have at least two children, how many of you have seen when you ask your one, say it's two brothers, you ask your, like the one, the older brother, hey, share your toy with your brother. What do they say? No, it's mine. You're like, well, first of all, I bought it. But I mean, you, did you work? You know, that's a whole side story. It's like, son, hey, son, will you please share with your younger brother. No, it's mine. Please share with your younger brother. No, it's not. And then you go to take the toy. And then what happens? Fine. The scripture goes, honestly, God cares about the heart. He goes, ew, don't give that. Like, that's not, like, that is not the point. In fact, like, when that happens, think about, like, as a good dad or a good mom, you're like, oh, son, like, I just wish you would share, right? You just, you would just share, right? Um, but what I think is so interesting is on the flip side, how many of you parents have you seen, you're like, it's a rare time where you have one of, like, one of the, well, you're like an older brother actually shares with the younger. They go, here you go. You're like, buddy, that was so cute. And what does it make you want to do? Buy, the, buy him five more things. Because you're like, man, you're sharing this and you're not like, you're being so kind. You're like, oh man, as an uncle, when I see my nephew sharing, I go, oh man, I'm about to like, I'm about to throw some, some what do you want? What do you want? Because I love your heart, buddy. That's amazing. So don't give reluctantly because it's like, like, have you ever been on the recipient end of someone that gives you something? Like, they're like, fine. It's like, I don't want to touch that. Like, there's your, your attitude is on that. I'm not about it. In the same way, he says, don't give under compulsion. Recently, I had this guy uh, come to our house, and he had not been to church in a long time. And he finally went to a church smaller, smaller than this. Now, I don't know. All I, t all I know is he was telling me that, like, the situation of when he walked in, some of the things going on. I go, oh, boy. And so sure enough, they're doing some, like, giving campaign, and the pastor looks at him. He knows he's new. Thank God I don't have that problem here. Like, I'm like, there's new people all the time. Like, I would, how long have you been going here? Two months. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, like, literally, he points at him. He says, hey, make sure he gets an envelope. And I'm like, Oh, that is like, and so now I'm like, I think about me as a, as a preacher, I'm like, man, we're, we're so under baseline because like he skept, was already skeptical of church and then it just got confirmed. And I'm like, oh gosh, like <laughs> so I'm trying to like teach him the, what, what actually should be going on. But remember the Lord is after the heart. He doesn't want reluctant I wouldn't say not even just the Lord. We don't want reluctant or under compulsion. Gift. Like, it's just like, no, like, we don't need that. Why? Because following Jesus financially has nothing to do with the percentage or the amount, has everything to do with your heart and obedience. That's why he says in verse seven, it'll be behind me. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And just like you good parents out there, um, dads or moms, you know, when you watch your kids share your life, that is awesome. God is the exact same way. He loves it. You see, God is not interested in your begrudging submission. Have you ever seen a Christian that's miserable, like all the time, like year after year, like for a decade? And you're like, 
does Jesus, like, like for anyone on the outside, like, does Jesus, like, impact your life at all? Or, like, what's, like, what's the missing piece here? And, and, and the reality is, is that when you are my, and I are most, uh, most satisfied in God, he is most glorified. Have you ever been around those people that just, they just love the Lord and, oh man, God just did this for me. And it kind of pumps you up too. You're like, shoot, I want to like, I want to get where that guy is. Like, like it, it's different. It's the, it's the heart. It matters. Scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. Then it says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in good work. What's he saying? He's saying you can sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. Do not give if it's under reluctance or under compulsion. And he's saying that when you give, he's reminding you and me, he's saying, I will take care of your needs and then some so that you can do every good work. It reminds me when uh, Proverbs 11 24, I won't be on the screen. It says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered. Now, something that's super important to know, I am not saying that when you sow money and resources, you're going to get it back. But what I am saying that anytime you sow resources, you give, you will always get a spiritual return, whether you can see it or whether you can't. Always. And that is what just inspires. Like when you do it and you get to experience what God can do through you, it's addicting. You want to see what God can do. Like you can just bless people. There's nothing like it, right? So we get to uh, my favorite part of this verse. Verse number 10. It says this. So here is what God does. He's, he says this. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Here's what he's saying. He's saying God gives you the sower. He puts seed in your hand, supplies it, multiplies it so you can do what? hang on to it, uh, do nothing. He says, no, I'm gonna supply and multiply the seed so that when you plant, it's for sowing, it increases the harvest of your righteousness. Think of spiritual things. Think of it like investing in something you can't see the immediate term, but spiritually you are getting ROI every time you are generous and giving as you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've learned is that if God, like, it, you got like God entrusts us with small. And if we're faithful in the small, this is just regarding anything in life, he will give more and more. He might give you, you might start small in influence. Faithful with the little will be faithful in much. Faithful in the little things will be faithful in a lot. I, I remember this. There's gonna be a, a quote behind me from Pastor Judah Smith at church home. He says this. He says, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And the most generous people I know, this is a bona fide fact that happens all the time. The most generous people, God keeps putting seed in their hand. And there's some people where you'd be like, you've always, there are some people I've thought, dude, they must be making a ton of money. All of a sudden I go, no, not at all. Then I'm like, how are they so generous? Meanwhile, I'm over here like saving, like being worried about a rainy day. And they're just like, yeah, like, yeah, they're still saving. They're still doing this, but they're radically generous and God keeps putting seed, putting seed, putting seed for them to sow. He says this, you will be enriched in every way to be rich. No, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way in which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. It reminds me when God calls Abram in Genesis 12, he says, go to a land I will show you. And he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And people like to stop there. <laughs> They're like, blessings, make my name be a blessing. You'll be, he said, I'm gonna supply and multiply the seed for sowing to increase the harvest of your righteousness. I'm gonna be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way, which will produce thanksgiving to God, which leads me to my next point. Here's what generosity does. For the ministry of this service 
is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. In 2020, I remember getting furloughed from my job. I worked in hospitality and it was in mid-March. And if you remember, it was like very, a lot of unknown. Two weeks to slow the spread. When am I gonna get a check again? A lot of like financial uncertainty, like in my soul. Was super stressed about it. And my birthday is in early April. All of a sudden, I, I, see, I received two cards. And I remember opening one, and someone gave me $1,000 for my birthday. Which you're like, Jared, that's insane. I know. Listen, if I got a $50 gift card for my birthday, I'd be like, yes. Like, you went above and beyond. They gave a 1000 And I remember calling them and being like, thank you so much, but hey, I cannot take this. And they're like, you have to. And I'm like, who gives $1,000 for a birthday, right? And I'm just thinking like, this is just bizarre, but I go, thank you. And they're like, you have to take it. I go, oh, I, okay. Like, so I hung up and I remember going, like my heart was overflowing with thanksgiving for not just that person, but for God. Like, thank you, thank you for your obedience and thank you, Lord, for being the supplier of my needs because I really, really needed that money. So what does God do? He supplies and multiplies the seed for sowing. It's our decision how much you wanna do. He says, for seed, for, for supply and multiply, he says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And then he says, when you sow, you are meeting people's needs, which creates generosity in their hearts. And here's the final result. It says, by their approval of this service, what will they do? Glorify God. They will glorify God because of what you have done. I love this. So I supply, he, so he gives me seed for sowing. It then meets people's needs. I meet people's needs, which creates thanksgiving in their heart. And it says, but God is then glorified. But the question remains, what is in the chain reaction? What's the thing that kicks it off? Like, what's the thing like God is glorified? Before God is glorified, people are thankful. Before people are thankful, we're meeting needs. Before we're meeting needs, we're sowing seed. But what happens? What, what changes the heart for you and I to be like, you know what? Boom, I'm meeting that need. It says this, because of your submission that comes from your confession of the what? Gospel. The missing piece, the motivation in being generous is to know and remember the gospel. You're like, what is it? A lot of people have a lot of different like ideas and definitions and how they explain it. I've, I've found that most people don't really actually understand the gospel. Here's the gospel. Uh, Tim Keller said it like this, that you and I are far more wicked than we would ever know and more loved and accepted in Jesus than he'd ever dare hope. Here's why that's amazing. In case, because the first sentence is almost offensive until you really think about it. Here's what I mean. Neurologists say that 80% of all of our thoughts are negative. Have you ever noticed that it's way easier to do the wrong thing? Way easier to be bitter, angry, unforgiving. Like all those things come very naturally to me. I don't know about you, right? And so it's very easy. And if I think about all the things I've done in my life, or if you could join me, imagine this. The bad decisions and things we've done, can you imagine them being on that projector, project behind me and us sitting in this room? The reality is none of us would ever want to sit here. That's just the things you and I have done. We're not even talking about the things we've said. We're not talking about the things like in our heart, our attitudes, our thoughts. Like we're, we've grossly missed the mark. So if we think we can behave our way toward God liking us, I'm sorry, newsflash, we're so far away, right? And the gospel says that God knows all those scenes that would be on this projector where you would die inside, wish you would never, ever, ever want to be around for that. You don't even want to remember it. I don't even want to remember it myself. The gospel says that God sees all of that in all of us and still moves towards us to love us. A good, a good explanation would be this in, in, in translation. It's to be fully known and fully loved. He knows all of us and yet chooses to, like, are you kidding me? 
Romans 8.32 says this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What is it saying? It's saying, if God would not withhold his son from you, he is not withholding at all. He'll ne- like if he would give his only son, oh, would let that be a reminder. If you've got a bill that you're worried about or you've got something where you're like, I'm not sure how I'm gonna make it. Remember, he's saying, I, if he would not spare his own son but gave him up graciously for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? God is your ultimate supplier. He's your ultimate provider. Romans 5.10 says, says this, if while we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall be saved by his life. God gave everything he had to us even when we were at our worst. Can you imagine the fact that God would take everything in heaven's savings and checking and give it to you and me? And thinking about how we blow it every day Every hour, we don't treat the great, like we don't receive his grace and live it out like, like, like how many times we blow it every single day. And I'm thinking about myself, if I were to drain our savings and checking and I'd give it, if I, if I could even do that to give it to someone, I'd be like, don't blow this. I worked really hard to get us here, you know? But what's amazing is God goes, I'm taking everything and checking and savings and I'm giving it to someone that I know will blow it. Crazy, right? Here's what I love. John 3, 16, you know, again, the word always comes up. For God so loved the world that he gave, uh, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But 3, 17 is one of my favorite verses. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. A lot of Christians make it sound like Jesus came to just condemn everybody. No, He came to show you you're not enough, but I am received the free gift, right? It says he didn't do this to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, which is crazy to think in financial terms, you're gonna bankrupt all of heaven of the savings and the checking to give it to someone who will never thank you for it. That's grace. And that's crazy. By the way, if you ever read the Old Testament, every hero in the faith, they're pretty much all horrible. So like if, just a level set here, like we're all broken people. The church is broken. It is like, it just is, but Jesus loves his church. He gave everything he had to people that would not even receive it or believe it, which is crazy to me, which reminds me, what is the motivation It's like if when I'm captivated by what Jesus has done for me, that he's been that generous, I'm like, okay. It's that's the motivation. That's the missing piece that gives me the the boldness, even though at times I want to die while giving it. I don't think anyone ever acknowledges that. Has God ever called you to give something where you're like, I feel in my soul I'm supposed to do this, but I also like, there's something on that thing that's hard to like, to, to give it up, even if it's for a good cause. And it's like, he, he's, but if I remember the gospel, it's like, no, 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 he said this. And he said that he would, he supplies bread for my food, meaning he's got me. He said, then he's gonna supply and multiply my seed for sowing. When I sow, it's gonna meet people's needs. When it meets people's needs, it creates genera- or thankfulness in their heart. And when thankfulness in their heart happens, God is glorified all because of the act in the beginning, remembering the gospel and taking that step to sow. Remember, Following Jesus financially has nothing to do with the percentage or the amount we give, but has everything to do with your heart and obedience. So here's what I want you to do. It's a couple of things. If you are already a follower of Jesus and you're already committed to giving, here's my ask. Remember the gospel. At the end of the day, everything about you when it comes to following Jesus, if there's motivation lacking, if there's, um, man, church feels like too much, praying feels like too much, whatever it is, like it's a gospel problem. Remembering the gospel is what opens up our heart. It frees our heart. It changes us from the inside out. Remember the gospel. And when you remember the gospel, it says that, that I believe this, that you will have an open heart and an open hand. And my ask is, listen and follow the Holy Spirit's leading. 
Listen and follow. Did you notice? I didn't say what you had to do. I didn't say that it has to be this percent, this percent. I said, no, no, no. You're already committed. My ask is don't just treat like people love to use tithe because they go, oh, it's 10%. And I can do whatever with 90. It's like, no, like everything is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He's the one that puts this supply in my hands and he can multiply it. And I just want to follow him with whatever he asked me to do. Because what I love about it is that when I do so, 100% of the time, there's always a spiritual uh, a blessing attached with that coming my way, whether I can see it or not. So that's for those that are already giving. For those of us that have never committed to giving in your life, but you are a follower of Jesus, the same thing is true, remembering the gospel. If you, if, if you want to just muster this up and I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to pull up my bootstraps, good luck. You're not going to make it long. But if you're convinced by what Jesus has done for you, when you remember what Jesus has done for you, how generous, like you would bankrupt heaven for me. And I'm just thinking about all like just bad scenes in my life that have just been horrible decisions. Like, what am I doing? And he would still freely give, remembering the gospel. My second thing is this, start somewhere. There is nothing like trusting God, like financially at first, I'm telling you, and it only gets harder. It's nothing like it. I remember my buddy, I, I, I shared this story first service, so funny. He, uh, he goes, he goes, man, if I win the lottery, I'm gonna give half away. I go, no, you won't. And he was kind of like shocked. Like imagine like 500 million, like imagine his count. I'm like, so you're gonna give 225 million. Yeah, I'm like, no, you won't. I'll prove it to you. I said, if, if let's just do use tithe, for example. $10 out of 100 is one thing. 100 out of 1,000 is like it progressively levels up and gets worse. Like just following Jesus, like it just like as you follow him, like it still is a challenge. I'm just admitting this to you. Like when God calls you, um, man, there's just nothing like that, that moment. Like there's this, there's something on that money where it's like, I'm afraid, but you know, a hundred out of a thousand is one thing, a thousand out of ten thousand, another thing, given ten thousand out of a hundred thousand, another thing. It just gets progressively harder. But what was amazing is the trust in God continues to grow and grow and grow. So you might be asking, like, how much? That's your decision. Ask the Holy Spirit. But what I will tell you this is that uh, whatever God asks you to do, it'll be at least two steps for, past what is comfortable. That's a fact. Anything he calls you to do, because otherwise you wouldn't need faith, right? You're like, yeah, I got this. Like, I, I can swing this. Whatever the Holy Spirit says, my guess is it'll be a few steps past comfortable. But you also might be asking where. I'll give you two reasons why I give to the local church. And um, remember, I don't get paid for saying this at all. Like, this is just what, I, what I've, my conviction. It says in Ephesians 5, 25, it says, husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so something I always remember is that Jesus loves his church. I'm not talking about the building. However, that is how we function. He's talking about the people. And I always think about like how much like he loved, he gave himself up for the church. And I just think about like he's very committed. Like the church is Jesus's plan A for salvation of the world. It's us sharing the message, right? So the reality is like, yo, if you wanna like, like you, there's so many different ways to do church, right? I'll tell you this, like if you wanna go like have church at a, at a park, like go for it, like way less overhead, right? Uh, but I, I like the AC and I like what we're doing here, right? Um, that's just my conviction. But second thing is this is, 1 Corinthians 9, 13, it says, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And so there is actually a command, like if City View is home for you, and like Jeremiah, like this place, like, th like your, your pastors, if you will, it's saying like, hey, like give to your, like, like we, you should not tell an ox to tread all this grain and then never feed the ox, right? 
And so like, I'm grateful. Not everybody on staff at City View Church is up here preaching. But listen, as you all know, it takes a village of full-time staff members and then all of us that are volunteering and serving our time to make this thing work, right? And it's an amazing thing that I think we get to be a part of. I'll finish with this. Proverbs 3, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first first fruits of all your produce. So a couple stories and I'm out your way. So um, a few years ago, my wife, Sophie, um, her, her uncle uh, was undergoing some really like hard cancer treatment. And um, they had asked last second if Sophie could come down there and be kind of the caretaker because their family was busy with other stuff and he would have been by himself. And so Sophie, because of 2020, lost three out, or two out of her three jobs. The, the income is less. There's less money to work with. And she's like, gosh, and flights are so expensive. Like, but she still felt like she should do it. So she ends up buying the ticket, which I'm sure wasn't easy because it's like, I don't know where the funds are going to come from. Like, what, like, I just feel like I should, right? She buys the ticket. And shortly thereafter, back in 2020, this church, we met at AMC 30. That was shut down. And we were, our plan was, we're never gonna go back there. We had to move all of our stuff to the warehouse. And so there's probably 40, 50 of us that went there, moved everything. And there's this guy at our church, his name was Larry. And Larry went up to Sophie, he's like, hey, Sophie, remind me when we get to the office, like I gotta give you something. And she's like, cool. So we move all of our stuff to the warehouse and then Larry gives uh, Sophie this golden, oh, always makes me cry. Gives her a golden egg. And he says, he says, this is for you, do good. And she opened the egg and it was a lot of money. And it covered all the flight. It covered all like, you know, meals and then some to be generous. And what's interesting is because of that, those funds, that helped Sophie get to her uncle that while he was going through cancer treatment, like that was his worst week that he ever had. Like he was so sick. And so like, I know, like when I talk to that side of the family, they are super indebted to Sophie for coming and being there for that. But what's most amazing about that story is Larry didn't know anything about that. All he knew is he knew God spoke to him and he's like, I'm gonna put this money in an egg and I'm gonna give it to you no matter how hard it was, easy, I don't know. But who would have known in him just doing that, putting money in an egg and giving it to Sophie, he had no idea what he was actually doing was sending someone to care for someone in their darkest hours through cancer. And I love this in 2 Corinthians 7, 6, it says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Because when God comforts people, he sends a person. And so I just love that because I go, you didn't know anything. Like you just were like hearing God's voice and you just put my, like you had no idea in your obedience that you were gonna be serving someone who has cancer. And it's just insane to me like how the chain reaction goes, but I'll share another one. Recently, we have this thing called Belong Group with the college students and uh, one, of our, one of our family members, they called Sophie and were like, hey, like, I don't get a lot of chance to go do ministry, but I want to be a part of yours. She says, so for this, so for, for group tomorrow, can I pay for dinner? We're like, yeah. So she bought a, us Firebirds. You're like, what kind of group do you guys? Yeah, I'm right, right? I'm like, hey, sorry, college only. Uh, so we're going Firebirds, right? Sophie opts to have it delivered. So we get it delivered. I get to, it's, it's, it's our groups on Tuesday. It's like an hour before we got to leave. Soph comes up to me, she's like, oh man, I made a huge mistake. I, I got it delivered to my parents' house. My, like it's not coming to our address. I got to go over there and make sure like I get it. But she said, what's crazy is there's, I think I know this DoorDash driver. She's like, I see her picture. Like I know this person. And she goes, Jared, I think it's a Christian who needs to be encouraged. Now, if you know anything about me and Sophie, like if we have anything go wrong in our house, it is ne- it's always going to be some, someone that loves Jesus, maybe fell out of church, discouraged, whatever. They're coming to our house. 90% of the time. Like I, I just bank on, I'm like, all right, what, are we, what, what kind of ministry are we doing today? So she goes over there. Woman, the DoorDash driver gets out of the car and she goes, hey, 
She's like, she's like, hey, do you remember me? Like, you used to, like, I am so-and-so. It's like her sister. Like, I'm her younger sister. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, what? what? And, and she goes, yeah, like, you've spent the night at this house, the place that I chose the wrong address to deliver the food to. Like, you spent the night over here, like, all the time in your teens. And then she's, like, like kind of, like, amazed. And then Sophie's dad comes out of the house, and, she, and her, her dad's name's Kelly. He goes, Kelly? And he goes, she goes, you look the same. And they're like laughing. And she starts telling him the story. She's like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, when you prayed for me when I was 16, I still remember that. Her dad led her to the Lord when she was 16. And she goes, I still remember that. She's sitting there, she's like, this is so crazy. Like, how is this happening? Like, what's going on? And she's like, this is such a small world. And, and Sophie goes, no, 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 no. I was actually telling my husband before you got here that I think, I think, uh, I think whoever's coming as a believer needs to be encouraged. And she said, that's me, and started crying. And I go, who would have thought, as God is glorified, thankfulness in her heart for getting prayed for on her DoorDash delivery, it could have been any other person, any other person could have picked it up, could have been to any other house. Thanksgiving happens in her heart, Needs are met because she got prayed for. And it all started with someone going, I want to be a part of your ministry. Can I pay for dinner? Notice, I just gave you two examples that have nothing to do with church. But I'll say this in the same way. I know that every time that I sow here, I don't have to hear about all the stories, but it's really fun when I do. I hear story after story of someone being here for the first time, following Jesus. There's, it, I mean, there's nothing like it. And so I may not see it all the time, but I don't waver. I know it. There's amazing things that come through here. And listen, if, if, if our, our, our money we give, if it just keeps the AC on so people sit in the cool so that you can hear God's word preached and people can watch your kids, like, yes and amen. I'll do that 10 times out of a 10. And so I share this all with you because I want you to know that you cannot outgive God. I promise you, every person that is radically generous in my life, I see it day in and day out. See, I, I, I'm, I'm lucky, I'm blessed, I should say, because I've had a bird's, I, I've been right there next to people that are radically generous. And I've seen God come through over and over and over and over and over. So to me, this is why this, 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 like, this message is my heart because I'm like, yo, you have got to be a part of it. You have to be. Rick Warren, he wrote this book called The Purpose Driven Life, which is, has sold the most books in all of the world outside the Bible. Translated in the, most, uh, in the most translations other than the Bible. And he says, do you know why God entrusted me to write the second most popular book in the world? He said, because he knew that I'd be faithful with the money. And Rick paid back every single year that he was on staff at Saddleback Church. He, taught, like, he said, but all that started... It all started when he and his wife got married and they said, you know what? I'm gonna start with this percentage and every year we're gonna challenge God. I'm gonna up the percent. In years that are hard, in winter seasons, we'll only go up a quarter of a percent. But he made that his MO. That was their family values to which now he's, he, he, he gives, I would say, north of 90%. But it all started with something small. <laughs> I'll read one last quote. And then we can uh, close it out. This is from Tim Keller. He says this. Some of you pray night and day to be branches of the true vine. You pray to be made all over in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him in giving. Though Christ was rich, yet for our sake, he became poor. Someone objects, my money's my own. I earned it. Fine. Christ might have said, my blood is my own. My life is my own. Then where would you be? Someone says, but the poor undeserving, why should I give my money to the poor? Answer, Christ might have said, why should I lay down my life for these wicked people? Shall I lay down my life for these? Oh, no, I'll give to the good angels, the deserving poor. No. He left the 99 and came after the, the lost. He gave his blood for the undeserving. Objection. The poor may abuse it. If I give my money to people, they might misuse it. If I give my money to this church, they might abuse it. Answer. Christ might have said the same thing, yea, with far greater truth. Christ knew thousands would trample, I would say millions, trample his blood under their feet 
that most would despise it, that many would make it an excuse for sinning more, yet he gave his blood. He says this, Oh, my dear friends, if you want to be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely, even to the vile and the undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so will you be. It's not your money that Jesus wants, but your happiness, because remember his own word. It's more happy, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I will add, because we do not ever give to get a blessing, we always give to be one. Following Jesus financially has nothing to do with the percentage or the amount you give, but everything to do with your heart and obedience. Follow the Holy Spirit and listen to him. He will always guide you into the truth and the right next thing. Because if we can't trust Jesus with our finances, how can we trust him with our soul? Let's pray. Father, just thank you so much for today. Thank you for your faithfulness, your love. I just thank you for how you really have time and time again just supplied all our needs. I pray that right now I just remind your people here and, in, and online of like all the times you've come through. I just pray like for anyone that just has a just spirit of fear around the finances. Uh, what am I gonna do? Lord, I pray that you'd remind them right now. It says uh, in Philippians, it says, uh, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, anything, any, uh, there be no guilt or shame around this topic. But Lord, I pray that rather it would be an excitement and an inspiration to what you will partner with us in. I pray, Lord, that you would make people here, like you would enrich them in ways unimaginable. I pray that you would bless their small businesses, bless them in their job. I pray that they would get promotions, whatever it is. God, that you would just bring the favor of heaven down on your people. And Lord, I pray that you would give us all the wisdom to steward it right, that we would not be enriched just to be enriched, but to be enriched to be a blessing, to be generous. And God, I just thank you for all the good that you're gonna do through your people. I thank you, God, for being the one that you would spend all of your savings on us who would fumble the bag every day. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your forgiveness. And I really pray the touch of heaven would be on your people in this area so that they could experience that verse that says that it's more happy. You're even more happy to give and to receive surround them with needs and of course to supply the seed to reach it we love you in jesus name amen thanks for listening don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message